Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with a special guest, Joni. Please, for everyone out there listening who might not know who you are, can you introduce yourself? Thanks, Robbie, for having me. Um, my name is Joni McGarry, and I am a co-founder of NoCollegeMandates.com. And I am a mother of a college junior, and I have previously worked in the pharmaceutical industry and business development and in the food industry. Um, but my primary mission now is to... Um, connect people who are um, fighting to end college COVID vaccine mandates, um, particularly for students. And um, a, 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 along with a couple other people in January, we started um, what has really become a movement um, of like-minded stakeholders um, at colleges across the country trying to get these mandates, which are unscientific um, and make no sense. We're trying to get them ended. Now, what was the initial spark that got you pushed towards this? Like, when did you were like, this is drawing the line, this is kind of going a little bit too far that caused you to really kind of start this movement that you see a lot of people now jumping into? Because I think every, a lot of people that I've seen now, like, especially with mandates, I can look up like people against mandates. You, you'll get people saying that it's a right wing thing or this. I don't think it's political because I'm seeing judges strike a lot of stuff down and it's like not being talked about anywhere. Um, I would agree that it's um, increasingly less p political for sure. Um, for me, I was not enthusiastic about the mRNA vaccines when they were being developed in warp speed, um, partly because I was familiar with the new technology. I knew it had never been before used in humans. And I know that development of safe vaccines takes much, much longer than this one was given. So I, I wasn't that keen on jumping on that bandwagon to take it. And as I learned more about it, I just decided that, you know, it, it was, I would wait. It wasn't for me. Um, at the time, <clears throat> my son was, he would have been at the end of his freshman year in college when the whole thing started. And then going into his sophomore year or junior year, well, I, I can't remember the things, he's a junior now, um, his college mandated the vaccination, he goes to Dartmouth. And a lot of people at that time were very, you know, they were okay completely with that mandate. I wasn't, but I respected his choice to do what he wanted to do to go back on campus and be in, you know, in the normal mix. Um, but in December, the college mandated a booster and that really, set me to becoming very active in this fight because to me it was bad enough that they were mandating the primary series because even in the fall i knew that young people were not at high risk um, of serious illness and death from covid and i hadn't done a lot of research on that but by then you knew that it was an age stratified risk and i knew my son was otherwise healthy um but by december um, the data had come out on that and all of the um, adverse effects um, from these vaccines, particularly myocarditis in you know, young men being especially worrisome. Um, a friend of mine's son got it from the Pfizer um, injections that he was taking to go to college. 
Um, and he's being followed by the CDC. So it definitely is a vaccine induced myocarditis. I just felt that that was just beyond the pale. Um, so I organized, um, well, I, what I originally set out to do was just to um, write a letter to Dartmouth saying, you know, I oppose this. And so I wanted to get some like-minded parents. You know, I, um, I, you've probably heard me tell this story. I went on the Facebook group for Dartmouth parents. Um, those Facebook groups generally are populated by pretty mainstream people who are pretty enthusiastic about the college um, policies. And this group was no different. All I did was post that I was um, looking to oppose these booster mandates. And if anybody wanted to sign on to a letter with me, they should direct message me. And we picked off a couple of people, one woman, Lucia Sinatra, another parent, she joined right away. And she and I are the people who kind of got this um, organization going in the larger sense. So when I realized how difficult it was for me to find like-minded parents, because I didn't live in Hanover, I didn't live in the town where my son was going to school, um, and most of the stuff online was mostly hostile pushback, you know, like, how, how can you oppose this booster? We need these boosters to get back to normal. I just want my kid to have a normal campus experience. If they have to take one every six months, that's okay with me. I mean, and I didn't, you know, it wasn't my part. I don't want to argue with those people. It's not my desire to get them to change their minds or to tell them what to do. I just wanted to say, you know, fine, you do you, but I don't think people should be forced to take this. So we got a handful of parents. And in that process, I just realized that <clears throat> there were probably many other parents and students and all sorts of stakeholders around the country who couldn't find each other. Who, who, you know, couldn't because number one, people are afraid to talk about it. Um, they're afraid of the social pushback uh, that is rampant on campuses and everywhere really about this um, topic. And also, you know, they just don't know each other. So I tweeted out something from my tiny Twitter account. And within two weeks, we probably had, you know, a couple hundred members in our Telegram chat group. Somebody had a Fox connection. We got invited to be on Fox and Friends, and then we had 2,000 people, and now we're probably crowding 3,000. So it took off very quickly. I hope that wasn't too long. No, it's, it's, it's a lot of information. It's important stuff because I, I, I tell people, like, I'm not anti-vax um, at all. I'm just against things that, especially with a lot of information that's not being given out about data and stuff like that, too. But then what they're now considering, like, what's a vac? Like, this isn't, you can't relate this to a polio vaccine because it's a brand new style of vaccine of how they developed it. Um, but, I mean, they're doing, they're talking about five shots now. They're talking about, like, it, it's it's landed in this territory where I'm like, why do I become the enemy when I just want to ask a question, when I just want to know all the data, when I just want to know all the information. And it's just like, no, just, just take it and just, you know, trust in these people that I don't know. And it's like, it, it puts a lot like the general public, like I've changed my thoughts on vaccines in the past couple of weeks, only because I used to be like, so like all one-sided on like, no, this is terrible, but it's always been in the stance of against mandates. Now, learning more about it, especially if you have comorbidities, if you aren't health, healthy or you are at risk, it might be good to get your shot. I'm 100% and in, in okay with that. But I wouldn't force you. I wouldn't take you down this direction. And when it's funny, when I heard your episode on, on another podcast, I heard you mention you uh, like doing the end college mandates thing. I was like, oh, I should probably talk about mask mandates. But then you said a mandate about the booster shot. And I was like, holy shit, like they're talking about a booster shot. Like, 
to me, like being vaccinated for your job or being vaccinated, this it puts a lot of people in tough positions. And I've seen more infighting than ever when you really look at these studies that are being done, like studies on the boosters and studies out of this, they're all funded by the corporations that you're really getting the shot into too, where if you raise that question, you'd be labeled an enemy. And I'm like, it, is anybody thinking about like, remember, there used to be a long stigmatized thing about big pharma and all this. And then somehow that's just went away. Like we've just forgot about it. And it's, it's really, really weird and divisive how this gotten. And I think it linked, it leaks into politics, leaks and all this. I'm like, why is that even in there? That should not be in there. This should be about health safety. Um, we should be looking at if someone gets sick, we should be caring for that person, not asking the question, are they vaccinated or not? That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then through friends of mine who have different views than I do, they put up something like sorry, antivaxxers.com, which is just a site where people die. And they say, here's an article about how this person wasn't vaccinated. Then oh, I go horrible. Well, hold on. I read into it. They got two shots but they're still on the site because they are anti-vax because you're anti-vax if you're anti-mandate and if you're anti just not getting your boosters or anything like that these people just stopped it too they were paramedics like i don't like that either if you're vaccinated and you die and you're anti-vax and die it's death all around is horrible yeah so we land in this area of like what are we doing What's how is this going to affect the kids? I'm 24. I'm still a kid, technically, I guess you could say. Um, but it lands in this area of like, where are we going to go forward with this? Like, we're really creating a mess in our wake here. As much as people are looking at, like, we got to get to the future. We got to get to a new normal. It's like the new normal is fake. Then the, it's still normal. You just have to figure out, like, how do we get this type of weird stigmatized topic out there away from everything? It's in the eyes. It's like Ukraine. That went away. We, you don't see a whole lot trending about Ukraine now. More people are talking about other things or other types of measures. This problem's in front of us. It can go away. We just need to pay attention to doing the proper precautions as well, too. But you can't be forcing people to do all these things and inserting yourself into other people's business. Now, I have a friend in the UK. He goes, did you did you have uh, spies in your neighborhood? And I was like, what? He goes, over here, I went to go take a walk. And my neighbor popped over the fence and said, oh, during the lockdowns? Is, yeah, this yeah. is your second walk today. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's I know it's but so North Korea. It's so East Germany. That's so, so weird where I'm like, that should be a warning sign for everything that's followed past that now where you have all these like, I mean, it, it's just it, I don't know where your stance or what your thoughts are on any of this, but it, we're in a really weird time. And people say like, well, it, the pandemic, we learned to deal with it. It's like, OK, that's true. But this this fear thing it's it's really starting to leak over into other things like i'm wondering like are we going to be able to go to the grocery stores at certain times and all this type of stuff you don't think that's not going to start coming back again i mean they keep bringing it into the news and saying there's this new thing there's this new thing i'm like where else like what what are they going to pass next what are we going to see a month from now are people going to question are people just gonna be like, okay and then you start losing every ounce of what you like when um I'm going all over the place. I'm sorry. But when Biden uh, said get, like mandates and he was enforcing those, they said it's un, it's not against your constitutional rights. I was like, um, 
that's a question I have to want, I want to raise with someone, you know what I mean? Like I just, I start going to this thing and it always leaks back from Peter McCullough and Pierre Corey, who I've talked to, they say it's a money, it's a money thing. I just like, why do you get labeled a conspiracy person? If you even say that, like, I, I don't know. Well, you said a lot that I think is worth unpacking. Um, geez, where to start? I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is a money thing. I also think, um, it's a control thing. And I think that people questioning the narrative have been made to be the enemy by a lot of really slick propaganda. I mean, I think when you, if you wind back to when the vaccines first came out and they were marketed really by the public health organizations, by the CDC and the FDA is, if you take the shot, you will not get sick and you will not transmit the virus. That was based on nothing. The, the 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 vaccines. I mean, in if you look at the Pfizer data, Pfizer data that's coming out now, those shots were never trialed for infection and transmission. They didn't even test that, so they didn't take swabs of the mouth and they didn't do exhalation studies or whatever you would do to to say this thing prevents transmission. So they made that up out of thin air, or they just assumed it. And so this message was put forward, and so people were made to feel afraid of others who were not vaccinated. And at that time, and before it was then admitted publicly, and I think it was as early as April by Rochelle Walensky, but certainly by August, that you know you could catch and spread uh, COVID if you had the vaccine. But in that period, I could understand why people would think, well, we need to make people get these shots. I, I'm not saying I agree with it at all, but you can see that mindset. If, if it's gonna really stop this um, pandemic, great. But the problem was, is that nobody talked about the age stratified risk for COVID. Nobody did a nuanced risk benefit analysis and educated the public on what that was. It became this one size fits all medicine. Um, so I think that a lot of work was done to make the public afraid and make that, us afraid of each other and then make us tell on each other. And I read recently, and I wish I had the reference to this, but I think Yale did a big study on vaccine messaging in advance of the vaccine coming out. And it sort of goes against their code of ethics because what it was is it was researching what vaccination messages worked to make people get vaccination. And they found that the messages that worked the best were those that were divisive or, you know, instilled fear. And, and so, and then they promoted those and, and, you know, refined those in order to be used. So it's this whole propaganda machine that's very, very slick and very um, untruthful, really. So, yeah, and you had, you said so much that you were completely right. I mean, I, I feel like you should never mandate a medicine and, and maybe there are some exceptions. Okay. So let's say this is Ebola and let's say it's an Ebola that's very contagious and like a, a big percentage of people all across the population are gonna die from this. And you have a remedy that is relatively safe and very effective. Then you make that choice. But this case for COVID, it is not nearly that. It is no, in no way that. And back to the college population, it is especially not that, right? So if you look at the college population, they are not at high risk of death or serious illness from COVID. 
a huge percentage of them have already had COVID. And most, I, I don't really know of any colleges offhand. Um, most don't recognize natural immunity even. So if you're on a campus that requires boosters, which you know, 325 of the thousand campuses that vaccine mandate, mandate boosters, right? So if you're on one of those campuses and you get COVID, as soon as you've cleared that, you've got like two weeks to get boosted. What? Right. Yes. You still have to get your booster. And I know a lot of people who have tried for medical exemptions after they've been sick with COVID and they get refused by the, well, first, it's very hard to find a doctor who will write one, but those students, you know, they, the college won't accept that. They say you still must be boosted. So there are many aspects of these mandates besides just being, um, to me, un-American and wrong, especially now that we know. Um, let me back up. The mandates were justified on these campuses, so-called justified by for two reasons. We have to protect the student, right? We have to protect you from getting really sick and dying. And the other thing is we have to protect more vulnerable members of the community by preventing community spread. Okay, so those two things. And by the way, they're safe and effective. So those are basically the CDC talking points. So let's you know unpack it. The student doesn't need the protection necessarily. They should be able to get a shot if they wish. If they feel that they're more at risk or they feel better getting this vaccine, fine, get it. But most students arguably do not need this medical intervention. Even unvaccinated young people who are relatively healthy or otherwise healthy, um, the rates of death and serious illness are like minuscule. And that's per CDC data. And especially now that the variants have become um, while more contagious, they seeming they are seemingly much less um, virulent or much less in, you know serious. likely to cause serious illness and harm um, in death. So the student doesn't really need the thing, and it doesn't prevent community spread. I mean, even when I argue about this, and I don't really argue too much with people, but they'll say, "Well, students should get it because they have to protect other people." I ran into somebody recently who said that to me, and I said, "Well." it doesn't do anything to protect other people. I mean, that is really well known and people cannot seem to get their mind around it. I mean, there's still this, this I'm, I'm more comfortable around a vaccine, vaccinated person versus an unvaccinated person. And it's based on nothing because we know that both of those people can spread the virus. And in fact, somebody who's had natural infection is probably much less likely to spread the virus to anybody because they have mucosal immunity and a vaccine does not give you that. So um, what, what I find is so interesting about like your whole story is not only like this, how many people supported it, but also it's, this is what happens when someone has a question or something and they decide to go and research and, and they start re realizing like, there's a lot of like questions you can really raise to this if you don't just nod your head and accept it. And it's like, that's, you've kind of like fallen into the hole and then you realize like, oh my God, there's a lot of like stuff that's not going, that's not right at all. Like, is anybody questioning, like, for instance, for me, it was when they said, um, it's only going to reduce your symptoms. If you get your shot, that's it. It, it. You can still spread it. You can still give it to people. You can still get COVID. That's uh, would eliminate the effectiveness of a vaccine. If you're talking about trying to eliminate coronavirus, which is, I guess, the kind of the point there, but they're like, okay, well, your symptoms are going to be less. I'm like, what type of crystal ball technology do you guys own that can predict the future of if it's going to be less for someone else? One size fits medicine does not fit for every single person. For me, for instance, if I work out every single day, I eat healthy. I never, I haven't eaten fast food in 10 years. And is it going to be less for me or I beat COVID in one day without any shot? 
You know what I mean? I, I, I get to this point where I'm like, now, long COVID, I'm also very worried about because there's a lot of people experiencing brain fog, which I experienced. And there's other things that go on with that too. Smell, for instance, was lost on a lot of people. They're talking about that's a sign of brain damage. And that's where I start getting a little bit worried where I'm like, there needs to be studies better on that. But the vaccine doesn't help with that at all. That would be the only other thing I would see of supporting the vaccine to do that. But you're having a lot of people be pushed in or given a ton of information with just, I'm wearing a suit, listen to me. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, you haven't given me anything to trust you. You've right. back, you've lied about the N95 masks. You said that these masks, um, don't worry about getting them. You said, oh, it's to save our workers in the hospitals. Okay, there's a trust issue there that's already started. Then now they're finding out masks are bad for you. They're finding out lockdowns are bad for you. They're finding out the depression rate has gone sky high. They found out the opioid usage has gone sky high. And there's so many deaths of despair. Terrible. It, it's like, I get it if you're learning and you're kind of going with us with it, but you're what, you're, what they're doing is they're silencing something so much to where when they do the 180, it takes forever to go back on what they said. They're installing so many different mandates, installing, like you can't just undo a shot. That doesn't happen. So you need to make sure you're coming with all your P's and Q's. You're giving everyone the stuff you don't know and the stuff you do know, but they're only showing you everything that you don't know and then silencing the gaps in their knowledge. And that's where I start to have a question of like, why? Like, can can you just give me just give me that all of that like you don't know this we don't know we don't know i'm okay with that it makes me more comfortable to go get my shot but the fact that you're refusing that there's even that flaw there i start to question what is going on here why haven't you looked to other sources to be able to help somebody even if someone says like for instance a better example cheese if someone tells you they cured your cancer with cheese, now that works for that one person, but do we shame them? Do we shame them when they say they cured your cancer with cheese? Or no. throw them off Twitter. What is that with the yeah. freaking vaccine? That's where like people need to like pay attention to like, what are we doing not only to ourselves, but to the people around us? Like, it's not your job to worry about what the family across the street's doing you because you both spread it the same. You both do all these types of things and people go, well, that's, that's not what they said to this or that you don't know if that's true. It's like, yeah. Okay. If I don't know if that's true, do you think there's probably a study on it? Um, I haven't seen any studies on it. Why do you think they're not looking into that? Why do you think there's not, they just started now doing trials about ventilation. Like we're going to start figuring out ventilation might be a better answer, which is like having, like they drop uh, mask mandates on planes. I like to this point where I'm like, you notice how they're so one track on this and they're not looking at all the other kind of options out there that should raise a question to you. And I hate boiling it down to that money thing, but all I've ever heard of is the name Pfizer sponsored on every single thing. When I read an article and it studies myocarditis in vaccine shots it says, oh, there's no conclusive evidence. They've only shown one out of a thousand people that they tested. Then it says author affiliations, Pfizer medical company. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to say, look, if you're funded by somebody to do a study, you think that it's just not like the tobacco industry way back in the beginning when they lied about smoking doesn't actually cause cancer in you, which we all know now. Well, I think, you know, most people don't stop to ask the questions you're asking. Um, and I think all of this is by design. I don't think it's fully profit driven. Um, I think that, I think it's really complex and 
you know, first of all, most people um, get their news from the mainstream media. The mainstream media is highly sponsored, particularly television by, by Pfizer and other pharmaceutical companies. I mean, when I go to visit my mom and she has the television on all day, I cannot tell you the number of pharmaceutical advertisements there are. It's 75% of okay. um, their thing is- uh, as, is pharmaceutical money. Um, and you are, you are wise to look at um, author conflicts of interest and who funds different studies, um, like the Wellcome Trust, which is, you know, that funds a lot of studies. And that's from the Burroughs Wellcome, which is, a pharma, you know, an old pharmaceutical company. Um, so, yeah, I think money definitely drives it. Um, the, there is also, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is like 40, it's responsible for like something between 40 and 50% of CDs or FDA funding, you're probably aware of that. That became um, a trend in, was it the early nineties, I think when they started um, having industry pay user fees to get their drugs approved. And so that slips into this really cozy relationship and this insidious pressure to do the bidding of the people who are paying your light bill, right? And I, you know, maybe in dark rooms, there are people who are saying, get this approved for me and I'll give you, you know, this money. But even if there weren't that, even if there wasn't that thing, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. And so when you translate that to, say, the college campuses, one of the things we've been looking at is, you know, because this, these mandates make absolutely no sense on the face of them, we've already established that, right? And in fact, they mandate risk for the students because of the high incidence of myocarditis from vaccines versus illness in that age group, right? So across the age spectrum, that's not necessarily true. Like maybe if you're 65, you might be more likely to get myocarditis or a certain thing from the illness versus the shot. But as you get younger, that flips and that is well established. So you are mandating risk to these students. You're also mandating unknown effects because there are, you know, they don't know the effect on sperm. They don't know the effect on pregnancy. They don't know the effect on fetuses. Um, you know, the fact that there, these documents now coming out are showing that the vaccine does not stay in your arm. It goes throughout the system and the ovaries are a place where, you know, the nanolipid particles go. And many, there are lots and lots and lots of um, reports of menstrual disruptions, which is also being studied now by the NIH. So for this group, it doesn't make sense. And on the face of it, so you ask, why are colleges doing that? And I think it's, you know, multifactorial. I think that they're just, you know, they haven't done their research. They're not doing an, a, a risk benefit analysis internally in order to practice this um, one size fits all medicine, because that's essentially what they're doing. They are practicing medicine on their students. So um, people who have asked colleges directly, I am one of those people who've presented the data and say, let's engage, let's discuss. You get a very, if, if you get any response at all, because many people do not, you get a very stonewalled response that regurgitates CDC talking points. The CDC says everyone should be boosted over age 12 or 16, whatever it is, and should be up to date. They're safe and effective. So then you say, okay, why are they following CDC guidelines? Well, how much money do, do colleges get from the federal government every year? And it's a lot depending on the school. For instance, um, we did some work recently where we looked up how much federal money the eight Ivy League colleges got. So this is, these are eight private colleges 
all of which have huge endowments. I mean, Pfizer has, I mean, excuse me, Harvard has 50, something like $52 billion under um, uh, management in their um, endowment, right? So these schools have a great deal of money. And yet on an annual basis, the eight Ivy League schools are getting $3.8 billion from the federal government. And over 60% of that money comes from the NIH. So these labs, research, all these programs are being funded by that money. And at one school, the head of the scientific advisory committee for COVID policy, he gets between $600,000 and $900,000 a year from the NIH to fund his lab. Now, is he gonna go against the vaccine? Is he gonna say, hey, let's, let's look beyond the NIH and CDC and FDA recommendations. Let's do our own research. I, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be likely for him to question the guidelines from the organization that is giving him six to $900,000 a year to fund his research in his lab. And so you have this insidious institutional capture. Um, you also have a lot of groupthink. You know, when you talk about a lot of people who don't question this, I think when something fits your narrative, and the, the world of academia has a particular narrative, um, they're not questioning this. They're just, they're foot soldiers for this policy and it's injuring students. So we're trying to find the language to pierce that, you know, that, um, that group think. Do you, um, with the universities, for instance, do you just feel like a lot of, like, I, I can understand it when it comes to like, for mandates, for instance, when they started implementing mandates was around the same time hospitals did. So you can track the funneling of money from a government organization through that. But I would think at this point, if you're really kind of a university run professor, or if you're anybody that has any morals or just uh, empathy when it comes to other people and the decisions that they make. I mean, there's a whole th site out there called the Great Barrington Declaration, which is nothing but epi epidemiologists and so many other people out there who are standing standing up against no mandates, but they're pro-vaccine. They're not against the vaccine at all, but they don't want people to be forced in something, and they don't like the idea of the word science being hijacked to fit this description of what they're pushing out. Now, with the universities, for instance, when you're discovering all this information, are you coming across maybe their hesitancy in any aspects of this? Or are they just saying yes and just wanting to accept the money? Because saying that it leaks to, into this thing of like, it's all profit or falls these ties in corporations and all this type of stuff. It comes off like people go, that can't be true. That can't be true. That's got to be some type of far out thing. But then you start looking and you're like, it is true. It's a hundred percent true. It only makes sense. I mean, even for me, I have the thought I'm like, from a business aspect, this pandemic's been profitable as hell but if you look at from a personal aspect and the damage that it's done you can't even fathom doing something like this but it's going on and i'm just curious with like your research and also with any other people on the facebook page that are asking questions to you or people that are reaching out to you are people having like starting to come across this like the veil has kind of been lifted from their eyes when they're starting to do their own research and i get like the the group think is because a lot of people don't have the time to do all their independent mm -hmm. research right once you're kind of interested in doing it and you start going down this kind of hole in a sense you start realizing that there's a lot of things that don't add up i'm just curious to 
are there other people like yourself that are very, very keen on the topic, are very starting to be outspoken? I get you get people at your mandates, um, rallies and everything to say, no, stop this. But I'm just wondering if it's enough to get people in these universities to wake up. That's a really good question. I think I think that, I first of all, you don't hear a lot of um, the mainstream academic world fighting against this. And uh, like you said, I mean, I think most people are trying to live their lives, right? They're, they're going to work, they're doing their thing, they're raising their children, they, they're putting food on the table. And they're not going to sit down and do all this research or question what's going on because they need to be able to trust the public health organizations. You need to have these organizations be incredibly squeaky clean and trustworthy. Ours are not. They are captured, they are compromised, and none of this that was done, as far as I'm concerned, by most people who were running the show was about public health because everything they've done has been making everything worse, particularly the lockdowns. And I think you have this laptop class of people who are well off, who they can stay home and make a living, right? They can be locked down and let, you know, the great unwashed who have to make a living load their groceries into the car. And, and you know, they can form little private school pods, you know, while the, while the normal people are getting crushed by these policies. I mean, the lockdowns did far more harm than, you know, than good. But anyway, I'm going off a little bit on another topic. You were asking if, if more people are starting to wake up. I do think that is the case. I think that now that now they're saying, let's get another booster, you know, and I think the narrative is starting to crack. And I see more and more people starting to say, well, you know, I'm not getting that. And people I would never think would say this, but say like, gee, someone's making a lot of money. So I think that is happening, but I, I don't think it's happening with the majority of people, which also brings another question up. Like some people say to um, the people that are doing the work that I'm doing, you know, college kids are adults. Why are you fighting for them if they're not fighting? They're not, because most, most college kids are not fighting against this. They're incredibly compliant. And um, my message on that is, look, I will fight for them until they wake up because they are being coerced. They're being manipulated. The public education, and I think our family systems, everything, they, these kids have been failed because they haven't been raised to be good citizens by pushing back against tyranny, by realizing the questions they must ask, by valuing freedom, by valuing um, autonomy. They've been sort of funneled into this compliant mode via social media being, you know, let's jump through hoops to get into these colleges. And so they obey they comply and they spend their um, uh, protest capital, if you will, on social issues that have been elevated as being so important, right? Um, <clears throat> sexuality, gender, all of these things. And they're not really stopping to think about their own bodily autonomy and, and what's in, in fighting that fight. So I will fight for them until they wake up. Well, so many kids are being put in a position where mandates, for instance, they feel like, oh my God, like, I don't want to lose all the money I put into my institution. It's like, hang on, you paid to go to school there and they're going to tell you, you can't come on the campus. Like I, I always found it weird when they were kind of like protesting a class that they paid for. I was like, that just doesn't really make sense. But if you're talking about the school won't even let you in all on a concept of you're don't, you're not vaccinated, you're not this. And then somehow the idea that everyone loses track of the fact that you can still get COVID, you can still spread 
spread it, but they go, oh, we don't want you getting others sick. I start going, I mean, but that's not even true anymore. Like, do we, but the, never was. the system's not changing. It's not, it's not going with the information that's out there now. It's very, where whenever I see Pfizer trend on Twitter or something, I always go, what, what are they not telling you now? Or what are they not doing this? Then I click on it. And it's a lot of people like, did you hear Fauci in that speech on the news where they're talking about, he goes, you see the lockdowns in Shanghai. Now that's an authoritarian thing. The only reason you need lockdowns are to get your shot. And then like, it was like this weird thing of like, I thought lockdowns were to like help people, but I brought this up a year ago during the lockdowns. I go, what's the difference between lockdown and quarantine? It's the language you use. Lockdown makes you sound like you're kind of like in prison, but quarantine makes you sound like you're a good person because you're keeping others safe. Like it's the words they use. And you start realizing this. I mean, this can link back to, I did a podcast um, about agent orange, um, Agent Orange, Agent Blue, Agent Pink, Agent, all these chemicals, they called them these names. So it was very, very hard to distinguish besides a color scheme. And they boiled down to actual numbers that are used in documents, C-120 something, C-123, C-20. So when if there is damage, you can, it's very, very hard to trace back where that damage exactly comes from. So you can't really incriminate unless you do some very, very deep digging that you can cover up in a sense of documents that aren't released or something like that now that does leak down to people go this sounds crazy talk no it's it's been done before you can see it in the past and to think that they wouldn't dig up something that worked the first time again i mean you look at the thing the different types of variants for instance when i was speaking to the immunologist um towards the ending of our chat i go do you think vaccines cause like variants and she goes, the issues with the vaccines is that this thing puts a bunch of spike protein dump into your body. So what it does is it jacks up your spike protein. That's why you need a shot every six months because it starts to fade. They go, the variants, you notice how each one has a higher rate of spike protein. It has a higher attack thing. You start going, they're ca- it's, 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 it's in there. The variants are linked from the vaccines as well, too. You have what? We're on five different variants now, almost five or almost four. Then you have how many shots are we on? Four? We're heading into five? I mean, the same number of shots is the same number of variants almost, except it's added one. You look at like they're going to get a shot for this new one. They're going to get a shot and it's going to another variant. Then they're going to say we're making a new shot for that. You start looking at, are we doing more damage now? Not only on the aspect of you can focus on maybe putting too many shots into one person, they're like hesitant on it, but the aspect of it, is it creating the pandemic or is it causing this virus to evolve? A virus changes because you've added something to the original form. And that's exactly what this new vaccine does. Now there's being studies done on that as well, too. I know people in the Netherlands who are working on that, but it brings to this question of like, When we start saying that the people who aren't listening to the narrative are the enemy, but the people who actually might be 100% in agreement, just nodding their head, might be actually doing more damage, and they don't really know that they're doing it. Because like you said about college kids, the college kids, they're worried about other issues. They're worried about social issues. They're worried about their, their jobs. They're worried about hanging out with their friends. They're worried about their mental health. That's all important stuff. They're kids my age that are worried about. 
But then you look into this aspect of like, they really haven't been told like that there's government corruption besides an aspect of like the justice system, sure. But when it comes to a pharmaceutical company, there's a massive amount of kids already on pharmaceutical drugs when it comes to their depression. They're just told, take a pill. When you ask the question of why do I need to take this pill? Is there another way around? They're like, no, just take the pill. Right they haven't really been taught that there's a lot of like this weird profitization that comes with these companies. And the only reason I think I understand that is because I've talked to a lot of people who are older. I've talked to a lot of people who have kind of been through the Vietnam War and kind of dug through this research. And I've looked at old historical events. It's the same stuff that's happening again, but it's in a different form. Now, to clarify that whole speech I just said, you got to look at an aspect of it shouldn't be this topic that you can't talk about or you're afraid to get someone's opinion on. You should have conversations about these topics because what's going to happen, I guarantee you in a year from now or whenever this thing starts to kind of actually like start to resent whatever going back to normal. I hate saying that, but it's just going to be like nobody ever talks about it. Then you go, did, are we just going to ignore the fact that you got three shots in your arm? And nobody knows why nobody's addressing it anymore. And the problem seems to have gone away. Like that's going to be something where it's going to happen. It's going to be like, it's this weird area where you start going, was this, what was this a test? Was this, that's what I thought lockdowns were to be hundred percent honest with you. I wonder if the whole, I mean, if it were, if it was a test, um, what we have told the people giving us this test is that we will accept a great deal of tyranny. Um, you know, I never thought in my life I had to get up in the morning and listen to what my governor said I could do and not do in the world. $5,000 fines for leaving my town or leaving my house in my town. In oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't as bad where I am, but, um, and then our yeah. governor, he released the, uh, that when gas was going up recently, he, uh, did, uh, no tax on gas. So the gas price would go down a little bit, but now it's back up to the normal price. It is for everybody else. And nobody's talking about now. Um, but he banned at that time when he passed that he banned silently monoclonal antibodies. He banned ivermectin. He banned all these other forms of treatment for this virus. And even doctors were like, is anybody paying attention to what he just said, like in this aspect of things, but people are more worried about the gas. Well, yeah. And I think there's so many things that are coming at us all the time and it is very difficult for people to pay attention, but most people um, like, let's just take the issue of ivermectin. And I, I really don't have a, a big position on it, but when it's characterized by the mainstream media as being horse paste or um, dewormer, um, animal dewormer, it's very disingenuous representation of a medicine that won the Nobel Prize that um, has cured river blindness in millions of Africans, has been administered billions of times worldwide, um, and has one of the best safety profiles of any medicine. Um, now, whether it works to stop COVID or doesn't, that's not really the issue here. The issue is that an existing medicine was completely demonized in a very coordinated way by, by the media and, and by our public health institutions. Um, and you have to, and, and that begs the question, why? Why was it so important for the vaccines to be the only thing that was, that were gonna save us? Um, and I think all of that has seeped into the academic world. And I, I, I do wanna bring it back to that. You know, you brought up the Vietnam War and things that have happened in the past. I think that where we err as people in the present, it's, it's really hard to get your mind around evil 
or wrongdoing or corruption. Because if you're a decent person, and you can't really put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's saying, well, so many people are going to die, but you know, we want to promote this. And, and thinking like, who could do that, right? But so, and, and you think it would happen in the past, like it might happen in Nazi Germany, where doctors were employed by the state to do horrible things, or it might have happened in the Vietnam War, or if you look at the history of college students being used as test subjects, I mean, it's very widely accepted for college students to sign up to be like part of research studies or to participate in psychological studies or sometimes, you know, medical studies and they get paid to give blood or whatever. And that's very widely accepted. But there have been times in the past where that was hugely abused. I mean, this, um, the CIA conducted studies where they gave psychologic drugs like LSD. Operation Midnight Yeah. And then they did uh, MKUltra studies on these students and they were at, you know, prestigious universities. People think, oh, that'll never happen now. And that's the problem is that not only are these things happening now, they're happening with a much more refined bag of tools for the propaganda and implementation. So it's hard to wake people up to the fact that at no time in history is the population so evolved that this would never happen to them. I mean, when I 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, I could never have imagined the, the climate that we're living in now, um, the freedoms that have been taken away, the medical autonomy that is being just taken from us by forcing this um, shot onto hundreds of thousands, millions of people with threatened, with the threat of the loss of their job, their livelihood, they can't go to school. Um, and, and another thing I wanted to say to you is that a lot of these kids, when you say they don't wanna lose the money they've um, invested, um, a lot of students, they commit, they've committed to a university or they've paid their tuition for the semester, and then the university changes the rules, then they implement the mandate. Now, I don't know that that's intentional, but it certainly puts that student in a tough position, right? If you're past the deadline of tuition refund, what are you going to do? Or if you've chosen, say you had a scholarship from college A and not as much money from college B, and so you chose college A, and you let your offer from B go, and now A starts mandating a vaccine you don't want. Have you, you know, asked? You see the position well, you're in. Have you asked the question if, uh, if they're going to mandate a vaccine or if they're going to do these things? Does that mean that your kid can be taught online and not have to go in person to these schools? Have they talked about that? No. Well, some some colleges are set up to do that. I want to say maybe the CUNY City University of New York colleges, um, but by and large. At, at this point, colleges who um, you know are like residential colleges, they don't offer an online component for um, in-class instruction. So, like for instance, I'll think about like Boston College. If you um, have to go into quarantine, because another thing we haven't talked about because we've been talking about so many things is um, there's mandatory surveillance testing on many many campuses, whether you're vaccinated or not, and usually the unvaccinated who have exemptions, and we should talk about that too. Um, they have to be tested more often than vaccinated people, which is also on its face insane. Um, but if they get a positive test, whether they're symptomatic or sick or anything, um, they, it, a quarantine is triggered or an isolation is triggered and they have like a couple hours to gather their things and get out of their room and they have to go to some other dorm where they're isolated on campus. Um, and those students, like I know at Boston College, because I've talked to a lot of parents from there, when that happens, those kids just miss class because there's no um, virtual component to it. And they may not have symptoms for the whole five days they're in quarantine. 
but they still have to be quarantined because of that one positive test. Yeah, but are they talking about the fact that a lot of these tests are not accurate at all? They're giving oh, they, false no. positives all the time. Absolutely. No, no. And that's part of the problem, too, is the PCR test is um, problematic. You know, the whole system, I mean, you're right. If you question all of it, it falls apart. It really does. And I don't think you need to be a medical expert or, you know, a, a public health expert. You just need to be able to read and, you know, ask questions. And none of this makes sense on the face of it. But if you look right below the surface, again, I think they're following CDC guidelines. I think they're getting a lot of money. And in exchange for that, in a softer, insidious way, they're going to test, they're going to um, vaccinate, they're going to mandate these things. And when you think, when you look at the testing, um, you know, some colleges took some of their money from the CDC and they set up their own testing labs. Um, Princeton, I think, is one of those colleges. And so when you're doing your own testing, you then, I think, own that data, right? So you're collecting all these samples from the students. And you can imagine, you know, if you are the academic area in charge of that, that becomes like your little fiefdom. And if some of that data can be used in future research on COVID and you can get funding for that, you're going to be, you're not going to be likely to want to let that go. And I'm not saying, again, I don't think people are bad. I think they're just human. And they also believe what they're doing is right with all the testing. Um, a lot of campuses have dropped testing and masks for now, but all of that stuff is just ready to be implemented at the next uptick. I mean, Howard University just took all their classes back online. I mean, can you imagine in the, in the time of Omicron, they've shut their campus down. Um, it's, I mean, it's insanity. Now there are campuses who did that um, did nothing basically in the pandemic and Hillsdale College is an, a good example. I mean, they might've had some restrictions in place when it first started, but then they dropped them. They didn't have mandatory testing. They didn't have mandatory vaccination. Um, and if you look at their numbers, it's not a death camp, right? It wasn't a mass spreading event. So it's, it's proof that a small college and probably a larger college can operate without these restrictions and not have a bad outcome. And why was a college like Hildale, Hillsdale free to do that? I'll tell you why. They take no federal money, none. They can do as they please. So what they do is they formulate their own policies and they do their own research and they are beholden to nobody. Now, it's not. I'm not saying it's the perfect college. I don't know that much about it beyond that, but you see when you are independent and you don't receive money from the very same people that are promoting an agenda, you can do the right thing without hesitation. Just what scares you, what scares you the most, like besides all the college mandates and that, everything that's gone on that we just basically talked about. But what, what I start to fear is the hesitancy. I, I get like with reporting, everyone says there's like a vaccine program. I've talked to someone who says it's not good at all, even though he supports mandates. Um, but even with that getting better, there's so much vaccine hesitancy, which I mean, there honestly should be a lot of you should ask questions, but there's a lot of people not reporting adverse effects. There's a lot of people, doctors, for instance, that are afraid to go against, oh, they, you know, ivermectin's looked down on. I can't give you this. It's like, well, can you if I'm asking you to prescribe it to me, you should be able to prescribe it to me. They're like, no, I can't do that, even though they might feel it's better for them, but they don't want to lose their academia career. So many physicians, so many people say I'm not anti-vax, but I'm not getting this and they get fired. They're afraid to speak out. And that's what really sucks is that you're having people 
that just don't feel comfortable and being put in an uncomfortable position. Um, you, for instance, being a mother and seeing that their kid is now being mandated for a booster, you're being put in an uncomfortable position to stand up against something that you believe in or to stand up for something you believe in. And you're, everyone is being put in these positions. Kids are being put in these positions. Um, Sweden, they don't even, they don't, they're not even thinking about a vaccine for under or five to 11 year olds. They're not even talking about it. Their kids were back in school, not even like a month after lockdowns. They were like right back in there. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody's even looking at their data anymore when they were poking blame and making fun of them earlier for having high COVID rates, but then it dropped. Same thing with Florida. We saw the numbers go up and then it dropped back down. You got to look at this aspect of like, they're only showing you all like the things that fit their points. And it's putting people in positions where they don't want to say what they feel or say what they want or do anything that would really put a stop to all this because they're afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of losing money for their institutions. And I go, here's where the major problem is. It doesn't boil down to vaccines. It boils down to the fact that you have a lot of aspects that are being funded where they shouldn't be funded. They Now, they should have money, sure, but your money from the government for your institution or your university should not stop you from voicing your opinion about something you don't feel comfortable with. Just because you have to nod your head and do all these things, that does not make sense. You have people that own their own private labs that are getting a large amount of money funded for a certain study on COVID. They shouldn't be put in a position to hide the bad results and only show you the good stuff that fits your narrative. That that should never be like that with anything. That's why we don't let politics leak into all these things. But somehow you find they it have. there. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, the money thing is, is an interesting topic. And I would, uh, I would take it a full step further. I would defund all of these universities um, from federal money for a couple of reasons. Um, I don't feel like people should pay taxes to fund universities for where more, the more elite um, percentage of the population go. It's just like canceling student debt. Why should people who pay their debt and who didn't go to college pay for other people to, to who made those choices? And so anyway, I just don't think that federal funds should flow to colleges the way they do. And in fact, when that started to happen, college costs went out of control because, you know, now they had a big bankroll, basically, and they could just hire and hire and hire administrations and, and, and they're, they're country clubs for kids. That's what they've turned into. I mean, I, you know, we toured a lot of colleges and, you know, the, the, the country club environment for these kids is just it has nothing to do with education. Um, so that's a different pet peeve. But as far as putting people in a position, um, you know, you're not in Brett Weinstein talks about this when he talks about institutional capture of research done at universities and probably at other organizations too, but especially at universities. If your lab proposes to study something and it goes against the narrative, you are much less likely to get funding for that study. And so what it, it, it's just a natural thing. I mean, if, if Tony Fauci wants a certain message put forward and, um, and, and you make a study that's going to say you propose to do something in opposition to that, or you've been a thorn in his side or whoever's granting the money, you're not going to get funded. I mean, you're just not, or you're going to get less funding. And then over time, you're going to learn if I want to do research, I've got to tailor the funding to ask these questions and not those questions. And so I think that there's so much institutional capture. It's so insidious that it's even hard to know how to unwind it. 
Um, and then the other thing we talked about, it's like, we shouldn't be made, like I, I had to stand up and it puts me in an uncomfortable position. Yeah, I didn't want to be spending, I mean, I sold my, I didn't sell, I closed my business in November um, <clears throat> because I had a, a, a mail order bakery and the pandemic was great for it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, a lot of people started ordering gifts and stuff online, um, but I was done with it. And I decided I was going to close it. I didn't want to deal with um, the supply chain issues I knew were coming down the pike. And I thought I would be doing other things right now. But when this happened, I realized that um, it wasn't just about the mandates, although that's the lane I have chosen, right? You have to pick a lane and you have to, to me, it's like, as an American, I never thought I'd be talking like this. I was never this person before, but I love our country. And I have been privileged to grow up in a place where I've had real freedom, freedom to say what I want, freedom to do what I want, freedom to to go where I want on the internet, to write things I want, to talk on my cell phone without fear of reprisal or being censored or anything like that. Those, that's not any longer true, right? I mean, we've gotten so used to censorship and self-censoring um, on social media, in conversations with friends. Um, so when this booster thing came up, I just felt like I had to raise my hand. I had to do something. And people say, well, you're so courageous. And I don't really see it that way. Although sometimes I'll realize that this does cost me something. It's cost me relationships in my family. It's cost me relationships with friends um, because they are so upset about what I'm doing um, because they don't really understand that all I'm doing is, is act, advocating for medical choice. Um, but to me, it's like, I'm going to relentlessly do that because I think it's part of the greater struggle for freedom. You know, if we lose medical freedom as we are losing it in this country, the game is over. I mean, it really is. If you can't choose what you're going to put into your body, if you are going to be forced to take um, what is still an experimental drug, a new technology that has never been used before in humans, that when Moderna first started using this technology, they were developing a drug for multiple dosing for a chronic condition. And they couldn't get it past safety trials because of concerns about the distribution and the toxicity of the lipid nanoparticles. I have not seen where that was ever solved. And so they pivoted to vaccines because you know you feel like it's a one and done. So any toxicity wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it's not one and done. It's two and then a booster and then another booster. And then, oh, maybe we should move all of the vaccines to this platform because the mRNA platform, um, if, and if you don't know how it works versus a traditional vaccine, I would encourage anybody to look it up because then you'll understand the power and elegance of that platform. And again, I'm not promoting it. I don't really want anything on that platform until the studies are, until it is, incontrovertible that this is a safe way to go. But as far as manufacture and quick development, this thing is a magic bullet. And that's why I think there's so much enthusiasm about making sure that people are used to this and will take it. And then we're gonna move other vaccines to it. Um, anyway, where was I going with that? Our conversation is so spirited, I lose my uh, train of thought. Well, it, that's what's hard with- Oh, uh... speaking up, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, that... just, and I'll just say one more thing. Um, I felt compelled to do this. And what I found is that once I raised my hand and I raised my voice, other people had cover to do it. And that's the important thing. I think people are afraid to speak out, but you have to ask yourself, is this what you want to leave to your children? Is this what you want for the rest of your life? 
do you want to say to, to these people taking away your freedoms, this is okay, I'll stay home and not go to work. I'll give up my job or take your medicine. Is that what you want for your kids? Is that what you want for our country? And I don't. So I've picked this lane and this is what I'm going to do. It's, it's not anybody, it's not my, about my son any longer. There's um, sacrificing medical autonomy um, when it comes to just what they can put in you. I mean, this can leak over to flus and you can mandate a flu shot. Um, Brett and, Weinstein. And flu shots are mandated in plenty of places. Anyway, yeah. go on. Brett Weinstein talks a lot about that. And then also this started a, a lot too. People keep trying to analyze China, for instance, they go, it's like China's social credit system. Like I've mentioned my friend in the UK who had a neighbor that was at saying, this is your second yeah. walk <laughs> that they did that during lockdowns. There are people that were snitching on other people when they were having gatherings and things. And it was for a fear aspect, but that's where, I mean, it's control. It's a lot of the stuff boils down to control. It's not necessarily that they just want to, they want you to shut up and do what they say, but it's this idea that you shouldn't even have a question. Once you don't have the thought of a question, that's when they start winning. Like there's a lot of people just accepting and moving on because they can make life really hell, not just in the area of vaccines, mandates and all this. I'm talking about, they can raise gas prices and they can make you more worried about that than any other things that they go and try and do. And it gets to like this, like when I talk about like, I, I hate this to even say the word, but when I talk about the Illuminati, people picture people in black robes. I'm like, no, it's just a bunch of people that found out how to make the system work in their favor. It's why the rich get richer. And it's why all these aspects start to happen. It's not this Disney version of what you want to call Illuminati. It's literally just people that are at the top that find ways to make themselves more successful. And th they manipulate the system. There's monopolies. We know they exist. The cable company is a monopoly. They all own each other, basically. They all work together. It looks in this aspect of you have to understand is that when you start to let one thing in or one thing happen, they don't just stop there. They keep going and the goalpost keeps moving. And then you get in this area where you're going to have kids grow up being in these really restrict conditions where you're going to have older generations. Like I remember back in my day, you wouldn't have that back in my day style talk of this freedom aspect because you have kids that are being born into this where they're not paying attention and they don't know what it was like before. And they have no concept of what privacy is. It, it gets it, it's really, really scary when you really look at the grand scale view of this. And this isn't something that takes uh, 10, five years. This is something that they play on the long game of stuff, too. It just spreads right now. What are you seeing? You're seeing a major pushback against science in general. It's because science has been hijacked and put on new terms. It's been put on this thing where now you shouldn't only trust the academics you agree with, you know, and that's not, that's not good either. You need to have a trust in science in general, but the best part about science is it is flawed. And the people who support the actual term of science will say it's flawed. We make mistakes, but not once have I ever seen a scientist double down on something that they know is wrong, but I've seen that during this pandemic. They've known something to be wrong and they've doubled down with it. Now, you can respect that for what you will if someone doesn't back down from their stance, but it's not right because what happens is I don't, this whole idea of freedom, just talking like, like you said earlier, can't believe I, I never thought I'd be talking like this about freedom that gets labeled or this like kind of like country person with their guns up and this type of thing. That's oh, the not... deplorables, the far right, you know, yeah. it's, it's all right to talk about freedom. How dare you? That's not what this is. What this is, is an aspect of 
it, it, it literally will get to a point where you're not going to leave your house if you don't have your shot. You're not going to do this type of stuff. And it'll keep going on to other things. You know, I talked to a guy about autonomous vehicles a while back and he goes soon they'll be fully autonomous like in 2060 and 2070 or something like that and i go what stops the government from just like not letting you leave your house like i i hate to say that and he goes yeah i mean that's a worry but you know you won't if you didn't do anything wrong right and i right. go if you didn't do anything like what do you consider wrong though like I just and heard- who decides who decides oh. what's wrong like it's like the facebook fact checkers who decides? You you either are free or you're not. Well, I had Zach Voorhees on here who pulled up Google's algorithm and YouTube's algorithm. For instance, this video will not go up on YouTube because it, in their guidelines, it says. Oh, that, I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. It says anything that doesn't agree with the CDC or WHO's official narrative. Think about that. Just, you, just think about it. You can't even say so the word used, ivermectin. We're, yeah. We're so used to that now that it's very concerning. That's like that's the the hardest thing is you know the whole concept of boiling frogs right it's a little and a little and a little and then all of a sudden it's well, gone think about it kind of links all the way back to my initial point of my my fear with it is not only the hesitancy on anything but also the aspect of you're controlling thoughts and that brainwashing as not the mk ultra style but if we really talk about brainwashing in modern terms that's what that is it's making people self-censor it's leading people to view their thoughts or view their opinions or be afraid to say anything in a place that has developed on the stance of you can say anything you can do you can have these types of freedoms but you you got to understand the recourse that comes with that whatever you say you're going to be held liable for the things that you say against your peers we're in this place now where people are afraid doing a podcast, doing whatever, and afraid to speak out because they're afraid how society is going to treat them because society is so manipulated right now. I don't know where that fix goes, but I'm glad there's people like yourself that are out there trying to take a stand and really trying to show people that you can have these opinions and you're not going to be deemed as unworthy or rejected by society. I mean, like I told you in the beginning, when you saw these massive amount of people coming to you and supporting you for this type of thing at in the start you probably felt like you were all alone you probably felt like maybe there was a couple people that be standing with you and then once you started it and seeing all these people reach out to you that shows you that there's a lot of people that want to talk about these things that want to ask these questions and they want answers and look, the answer can't just be, I don't know what you're talking about. The answer needs to be, we'll look into it or we'll do something and they better damn well do that. Like, that's the thing is that I've, all I've heard in this pandemic is that there's no evidence on that. There's no evidence on that. There's no evidence on that. Well, people are talking about it overseas. They're talking about it. You're telling us we don't have evidence on that. You start to raise even bigger questions. Yeah. I think that, um, the whole, it's just the manipulation of language, right? We don't have evidence. Well, what does that mean? Have you studied it? It doesn't mean that whatever you're looking at doesn't exist. Just, we don't have evidence. So why aren't you asking the questions? Why aren't these studying studies being funded for these products that you're making people take? Um, and then as far as like the brainwashing, whoever controls the language, right? And there's so much control of language Um, And yes, there is a lot of self-censorship because people are afraid. And I'm not going to tell you this doesn't cost you anything. It does. It does cost you something to to speak up, Um, but it costs you a lot more to not speak up. And I just feel so glad that I did it in the first place because I think a lot of people have found some community and now feel empowered to act. 
I think most people or many people, I shouldn't say most, but many people don't know that they can do something. They don't know that they, like people will say, well, we need somebody to do such and such. And I often say to that person, how do you know you're not that somebody? Like you, you can talk, you can think, you have a computer, you go do the research, you know, you can't wait for like, well, if that's important, somebody will do that. That's just not true. You know, you have to be that somebody. And so I am just doing what I can do. And I try to point people in the right direction. I mean, I'm not like some kind of leader. I just started this group where people can find each other and help each other navigate these things and hopefully form groups that will empower them to push against this, what is essentially tyranny. It's medical tyranny. Um, where can people find your site? I appreciate you giving me your time. I, I know when we talk, we were talking earlier, we were talking about um, like it all over the place with this conversation. That's it's this topic though. It makes people sp sporadic and cause there's so much out there. Everybody's got their own like, like file of stuff that they want to talk about when it comes to this concept of the issues that are going on. And there's a lot of issues. The idea that there isn't any at all, or the evidence is clear, or the science is science and set. There is none of that because right now there's this whole cover up. There's a lot of information that keeps coming out every single day about issues that are going on. And it's going to take time. I'm just hoping that they don't force so many things where people start suffering from regret. And I don't, I think that's what you're seeing a lot of now. I know plenty of people with two shots and they're boosted and they're like, I wish I never even got one. You know, it's not saying that vaccines in general aren't good, but this one right here is okay to raise questions on because it's not, they're not being honest with you. And that's all I've ever wanted in anything was transparency on this right. aspect. No, I agree. I think a lot of people have, who never thought twice about any vaccination will unfortunately, well, for better or for worse, going forward, they will be thinking very hard about everything that's suggested and promoted to them because their trust in public institutions and the medical profession has been lost. And I think that's a, a, a very sad and great casualty of this pandemic, but also an opportunity for rebuilding something that is more transparent and, and just better. So I hope that happens. So you want to, yeah. yeah, where can people find you? Okay, thanks. Um, anybody who's interested in this topic, um, go to our website, nocollegemandates.com, nocollegemandates.com. And there you can sign up for our Substack newsletter. You will be directed toward our Telegram um, chat group. In that group, you can call out for people at colleges um, of interest and find more information. A lot of people who are considering colleges go there to talk about um, the way students have been treated during the pandemic, um, what colleges require vaccines, what don't. Um, you'll find your people there and you can start getting active. Um, on Twitter, <clears throat> you can find our group at, at NCM for no college mandates, numeral four ever, NCM forever. And you can find me on Twitter at Lady Spalding 11, S P A U. L-D-I-N-G. But the website will direct you to the resources that we have. I'm going to follow you on Twitter. I didn't know well, you I'm going to follow you. Um, uh, but it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, it has. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.